Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 cast, episode 24, which is half the age of Sal Khan, the founder of KhanAcademy.com, where you can learn things for free. On this episode of the 8311 cast, we're going to be going over some basketball and some NFL free agency, mostly just Gronk retiring, the AAF, but we're mainly going to be focusing on baseball. Okay, well, I got I got two things here before we get started. One, that was all you could come up with that, for this that's episode. All, that's that, all that was all you got. got. That's was all that I a got. paid sponsorship? No, but <laughs> that's the only thing I could come up with. Either that or stating that we're halfway through the the current age of Mariah Carey. But that would have been better. Not that, really. That would have been better. Really? Because all I want that's, for Christmas is you. Yes. But it's not Christmas time. In fact, it's just barely getting into spring. But you, you missed the point of it. All Mike wants for Christmas is you. I mean, yeah, but I'm not Mariah Carey. Can I get to my second thing? I mean, get to your second probably. Thing. You ruined our entire NFL free agency segment yeah, already in the intro, <laughs> so I guess we won't talk about that very much. Uh, that's fair. That's but fair. something that we do have to talk about is how the women's basketball team played amazing yesterday in their first round NCAA tournament game. The Cyclones showed up and showed out in Hilton Coliseum absolutely destroying New Mexico State University, which is now the current home of our previous Iowa State band director. We will not mention names. Uh, and it was, it was yeah, just they really... Just, they can just Google that. Yeah, you can just Google that. <laughs> Why would you even bring that up? So, getting back to the court, the women played phenomenally. Every, every player on the team scored... Uh, due to the fact that the team was up by 40 for most of the second half. Uh, it took until about five minutes left in the game for New Mexico State to even break 50 points so that they finally had something to cheer about in their game. Uh, but the Cyclones almost dropped 100 points, scoring 97 in total. Ashley Jones, uh, Alexa Middleton, and Bridget Carlton all played phenomenally throughout the entire game. Alexa Middleton had her way... Uh, with the entire, just the entire game. She was able to drive from the three-point line straight to the basket, no help from the team. Uh, and overall, the team rebounded well when they needed to. They played overall great defense, and Hilton Coliseum was rocking. So as, as you all know, for the women's NCAA tournament, the top four seeds in the tournament get to host so they get campus games. So with Iowa State being a three seed, they got to host their first round game in Hilton Coliseum. And even with the team up by 40 points in the second half on a terrible uh, back over and back uh, violation that the referees called, Hilton Coliseum erupted in groans and boos and were heckling the refs as they were just giving them the business, even though the team was up by 40 points in the second half. So Hilton Coliseum will be rocking tomorrow night as the women's team is going to uh, square off against uh, Missouri State this time, so another state school. Uh, Missouri State, the Lady Bears, as they are also called, not to be confused not with Baylor. the Baylor Bears. They're better than Missouri State. are much better. But the Lady Bears, who dismantled DePaul, which was the higher seed, if you're uh, keeping up with your bracket, they they were the uh, 11th seed in the tournament. That's correct. As DePaul was the 6th seed. So 
Iowa State on paper gets a little bit easier game against Missouri State, but we'll see how Missouri State plays as they played really well against DePaul. Um, and yeah, it should be a great experience in Hilton Coliseum once again. And let's we'll see if uh, Bill Finley can keep his team rocking and rolling through this tournament. And hopefully we'll see this team in Chicago. That That's where our Sweet 16 games would be played, if you remember from last episode. So if we beat Missouri State, we'll play probably Stanford in Chicago next weekend. So that would be that would be fun to uh, get going to the Sweet 16 and keep going on. But we also had the uh, Cyclone men's basketball team in action in their first round uh, NCAA tournament game this weekend or on Friday. Depends if you count Friday night as a weekend or not. But they were definitely uh, less successful than the Cyclone women's team. Um, we ended up getting beat by the Ohio, the 11 seed Ohio State Buckeyes by three points. We uh, Nick Wilder had an open three with uh, just a couple seconds left to uh, to tie up the game, but he did not hit it. We were yeah, it was it was just a disappoint disappointing way to to end the season. Um, Taylor Hurt and Tucker and Michael Jacobson, who had been really great offensive weapons for this team for the entire season, pretty much did nothing the entire game. Jacobson was completely overmatched down in the post by uh, Caleb Wesson, Ohio State center. Oh, he, but he, he was giving up like four inches and like 75 pounds to him too, so that didn't help. But he was completely overmatched by Caleb Wesson and just was unable to handle it, and he was a non-factor. He wasn't in for most of the game because we had to use George Condit and Cam Lloyd just to compete with that size down in the post because Wesson was destroying us when uh, when uh, Jacobson was in because he couldn't play defense against him and he couldn't rebound. But, yeah, and Taylor Horton Tucker did nothing either. He scored our first basket of the game. I think he scored five early points but then wasn't able to do much after that, and he wasn't on the court for most of the second half either. So two of our key players, and remember just last episode I was talking about how key Michael Jacobson was to our Big 12 tournament run and how we'd need him to lead this team if we were going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. And he has a bad game, and the Cyclones went home. Not, like, directly correlated, but, I mean, it shows how valuable Michael Jacobson was to this team, that the fact that he wasn't able to to play well cost, well, yeah, resulted in a Cyclone loss. But the big thing that killed us was rebounds. We gave up so many offensive rebounds to both Wesson and other I oh Iowa State other Ohio State players. I got to get my state schools right here too, like we did on the women's side. Um, give so many offensive rebounds. Even when we did get stops, Ohio State wasn't shooting well all game. We were getting a lot of defensive stops and playing well there, but um, yeah, but we were giving up offensive rebounds whenever we did. So that was right. So they were getting two, three looks, and those second ones were coming down in the post. We weren't able to stop them, and it was resulting in too many points, second-chance points for Ohio State that we just weren't able to compete with. Any uh, Anytime we got a big stop, they seemed to get the rebound and come back and, and come back and do it. And that's something for this Iowa State team that is really – that showed all year. Iowa State can't play against teams who rebound the ball well offensively and who are slow and methodical in pace. Ohio State is com- is very comparable to Baylor in the fact that they are slow, they like to muddy up the game, and they take they take as many possessions 
out of the game as they can by taking the shot clock from 30 all the way down to zero without, and they never, they don't take bad shots. They take good shots and then they're always in position to get an offensive rebound. So what the Cyclones could not do and could not afford is giving up offensive rebounds, which they did on multiple occasions in which Ohio State was able to run out, run off a minute of game time or even a minute and a half of game time, which is utterly impossible for the Cyclone, this Cyclone team to play against when the team strives against offense or strives with offensive efficiency. And they can't do that if they don't have enough possessions in a game in order to do so. And it showed in this game, as this was the Cyclones' second lowest scoring output on the season, both times that has happened, they have lost both games. So more more possessions, more offense equal more wins for this team. Yeah. And really this game, right, Hort, uh, not Horton Tucker, Wigington and Shayok carried this team. They both had really good performances that carried this team. That was the only thing that kept us in the game. Wigington hit a couple of big threes, got fouled shooting a three, kept us in the game. And really in the last five or six minutes, Shayok put us on his shoulders to try to uh, try to carry us all the way to the uh, to the victory. But he couldn't do it all by himself, and he did not get enough help to do it. And really, I think there were just two ways to, uh, to sum up this game that I heard. So first... I know a lot of Iowa State fans who uh, watched the game weren't a fan of the officiating, and the officiating wasn't wasn't good, right? It did they that kick on Halliburton late in the game that he hit with his hand instead of his foot it was not a kick. That was that was an awful call. The like the officiating wasn't good, but frankly, I Iowa State didn't play well enough to win that game anyway. Like sure we could have with better officiating maybe, but we didn't play well enough to deserve it even if we could. And the second way to uh, sum this game up uh, that uh, our occasional guest Ariane uh, told me when we were chatting after the game was that this was a fitting end to a disappointing season for one of the most talented Iowa State teams in the last 20 years. Because there's no denying how much talent this Iowa State team has. Probably the, uh, what year would that have been, the 2005? 15 squad that may uh that was a three seed that lost to uab in the first round was probably the only cyclone team in the last 20 years that was more talented than this team but this team was just just always failed to put it together that was that was their biggest problem they couldn't put it all together they couldn't when they were gelling this was a fantastic team and that why that's what made us even say they could get a two seed at one point this year but they just couldn't put it all together and just falling apart and not playing well against Ohio State was a fitting way to end that that disappointing season. I think the last team that was this talented for Iowa State was that 2002 t- squad that I believe won the Big 12 regular season title that year. And in many ways, I think this team could have beaten that 2015 squad. But I think in 2015, that team led by Fred Hoiberg had much had much more consistency and that team was able to play way more consistently um, until that uh, 3-14 upset in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, we're just going to stop talking about that now. I know some uh, Iowa State fans still cringe when they hear the name UAB. Well, every Iowa State fan is going to cringe when they hear Ohio State in the future for basketball. But playing Ohio State in football every year, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Maybe now that... um, 
Urban Meyer is gone. I mean, I just think it would be fun to play a really good school in non-conference football. That would be fun. That's fair. But that's not going to happen because our non-conference schedule is set through like 2024. So don't look forward to that. Cyclone that is fans. true. The, the non-conference schedule that we have includes Tulane. So don't get your hopes New up. New Orleans. But speaking of football. No, um, no, 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 no. Oh. You're missing what I'm upset about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mike, Mike is a little upset. I am. So obviously I'm upset about the Cyclones, but we talked about that already. The other thing that I'm, I'm pissed off about this week is the stupid – the play-in games, the, when they, you know, expanding the tournament field from 64 to 68. I get it. They want more teams in, blah, 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 blah. But so the NCAA promised teams that win their conference tournament a bid to the NCAA tournament, right? That's the thing. Automatic bid. But now right, they stick four of those teams who earned that automatic bid in those play-in games as 16 seeds, Right. I don't think that is fair to those teams who earned a right to be in the NCAA tournament to have to play in to the real NCAA tournament, essentially, right? Essentially, you're saying those four teams, yeah, we don't really care that you won your conference tournament. You have to win another game for us to really actually put you in the NCAA tournament. I think that's stupid. If you want to have four play-in games, that's fine. Make the last eight at-large teams play in those games. Personally, I think those games are stupid to begin with. I get why they have them, but I think they're dumb. But I don't like that you're putting teams that got an automatic bid in those games because nobody watches those games and nobody cares about those games. And they're not real NCAA tournament games, in my opinion. You need to put those teams who earned their automatic bid in real NCAA tournament games as opposed to those stupid play-in games. Make teams like Washington play in. A team who couldn't, who was the best of the worst in the Pac-12, play into the NCAA tournament I mean, because they couldn't even make it through their Pac-12 ter- Pac-12 championship. I mean, two teams in the Pac-12 got lower seeds than them, so they weren't the worst in the Pac-12. Yeah, but Arizona Arizona State had to make it. But in your opinion, Oregon couldn't have. Could, Oregon, Oregon couldn't have, played. have been in a playing game either, so, which they weren't. Yeah, they weren't, but. Oh yeah. well, it's. It, I agree with Mike on that one. Anyway, it's not going to. There's nothing else to talk about. It's but. not going to happen. The NCAA is never going to do it, but I think they should. Now we can talk about football, Kyle. Do you want to talk? Do you want to uh, well, re-summarize our NFL free agency discussion? So, why it so it's earlier? already it's already been spoiled essentially. Um, oh, yeah. the, the only NFL news that we have this week is that Rob Gronkowski finally retired. Spoiled. That is all. Like it's that's like spoiling the ending of the the Titanic movie. Everybody knows what happens or what had had happened. The, it, the, I didn't spoil anything. The, the ship flies into space, right? That's what happens at the end yes, of Titanic. Yes, of course it does. Nailed it. Nailed it. It's like a cross between the actual Titanic movie and uh, was it was it inter, not Interstellar? Uh, the one with uh, the 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 space movie doesn't matter because it's not sports related. Speaking of football. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of so, speaking of football, the Patriots are in need of a tight end now. Yep, that's about it. That's Gron- pretty Gronk much retired. it. So they might draft a tight end in the first round of the NFL draft, which so, they could have their choice of an a tight end from the University of Iowa. I think they'll both get drafted before New England gets to draft. Yeah, probably, but they're looking for a tight end now that Rob Gronkowski isn't there. How much does he really mean to the team? That's up for debate. With how uh, injury prone he was towards or during his entire career, really. He can't tackle. He, and he definitely can't tackle as the Miami Dolphins exposed him. Uh, so 
See you later, Rob Gronkowski. Have a great life partying it up. He needs like a reality TV show now. Like, honestly, the he's life probably going to get it. Like, like keeping up with the Kardashians, but keeping, keeping up, up with, with Rob Gronk. Gronkowski. I don't think anybody <laughs> can keep up with Rob Gronkowski. Probably not. I don't want to try. He'd, he'd, he'd kill me. He's a little bigger than me. He's a lot bigger than you. He's a large I'm, man. I'm a large man, too. Not He's a large, large man who's going to have a lot of time on his hands now. That's true. So while we're talking about football, let's let's go to a different league, which is the Alliance of American Football. Are, are, it, when you run down the standings for us, are you going to run them down in order this week? Yeah, probably. We'll we'll see. That would be more Let, helpful. Let's just, it's easier to process that. Let's just well, see, if it see goes how do we want to do? Do you want to do like conference standings or league standings? Conference standings because that's what determines the playoffs. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. Playoffs so are glad in, we're on the, the playoffs are in four weeks. That is true. It is week seven currently of the AF, and uh, so far three games have happened as of recording. The, uh, the Birmingham Iron and Memphis Express are still being played, so I can't really give you a full update on the East Division, which includes they're still those two being teams. played, or they're still they're, in they're play? playing. They're playing right now. Okay, they're, they're playing. Okay, right now. I just wanted to confirm. So basically, all all that has happened is Orlando totally blew out the Legends, thirty six to six, after coming back from a huge loss to the Arizona Hot Shots last week, which was. Like an insane loss. The hot shots are bad. Well, they they were bad, and the Apollos are really good, and then they lost. So that's kind of cool. Uh, the hot shots and the Commanders also came out on top with wins over Salt Lake and San Diego, nineteen to fifteen and thirty to fifteen respectively. We don't really care about the scores. They won. That's all that matters. In the East, our standings this week so far are the Orlando Apollos with six wins and one loss. Down to the Birmingham Iron, four and two, which uh, are still playing the Express. Atlanta, Atlanta Legends, two and five, and the Memphis Express, one and five. And over in the West, we have the Commanders, five and two, the Hot Shots, four and three, the Fleet, three and four, and the Stallions, two and five. And that's all I got for you in the AAF. Cool. So, yeah, as we had talked about or touched on a little bit earlier, we're gonna have a little bit of a baseball special today uh, because there's a lot of stuff that has come to light recently um, in the MLB, and we just want to share everything with you. And our uh, and our in-house MLB expert, Mike, is going to tell us everything that we need to know about the MLB. Yeah, I am. So first big thing that happened this week is that Mike Trout, um, who's the best player in baseball and has been the best player in baseball for the last three years or more, uh, signed a 12-year, $430 million extension with the Los Angeles Angels. So essentially, he is going to be an angel for life. Um, I mean, frankly, he deserved a deal like that. I mean, it's going to look bad at the end of his deal, especially if uh, his body starts to break down near the end. They're going to be paying him way too much money for that. But they needed to pay him. He's the best player in baseball by a significant margin. He's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. For sure. He's already better than a lot of Hall of Fame players. Like, his career has already been better than a lot of Hall of Fame players, and he's only been playing for five or six years. So, yeah. They they paid him. The Angels paid him like they had to do. They now have two gigantic contracts on the books with Mike Trout and Albert Pujols out there in Anaheim. So that'll be interesting to see if they can um, see what else they can do to build that roster with paying they're still paying Albert Pujols an insane amount of money I don't know what it is off the top of my head but for how unproductive he's been recently they're still paying him way too much money for all of our listeners out there do you just want to hear 
a, a few interesting stats on this deal. So I mean, I mean the listeners aren't going to respond, so you don't have to ask them if they want to. You're going to hear it anyway. So per game, Mike Trout is set to make thirty-five point eight three million dollars per per year. Per year, sorry, per Thank game. You. Per game that breaks down to two hundred twenty-one thousand one hundred ninety-three dollars per at bat. Assuming that there's four at bats in a game, he'll make fifty-five thousand two hundred ninety-eight dollars per run scored. Uh, he's averaging around 110 per year. That's $325,757 per hit. On average, he's been averaging 170, which equates to $210,784 per year. And yeah, so he's getting paid a lot of money. Yeah, he is. To do something that he's really good at. So I I congratulate the Angels on actually pulling the pulling the strings to get this deal done and to get it done early rather than letting him get to free agency so that we had to go through the entire saga of Manny Machado and Bryce Harper all over again. Yeah, that didn't play out well, uh, or it took way too long to play out this year, so I'm glad we don't have to go through that in uh, two years with Mike Trout. But the real question now for the Angels is, will they actually be able to make the playoffs with Mike Trout? Mike Trout is the best player in baseball, but he's yet to appear in a playoff game. So they need to make this contract worth it. They need to actually, you know, make a deep playoff run, and that starts by making the playoffs, which is something he hasn't been, they haven't been able to do yet, and they may not be able to do this year either. They're, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about our playoff predictions later, but the Angels are definitely not one of the three best teams in the American League, at least don't look like one of the three best teams in the American League right now. So they still could be a long way off from making the playoffs even with Mike Trout, and really, baseball needs Mike Trout in the playoffs. It's it's less, it's less exciting when your best player never makes the playoffs. It would be good for baseball to have the Angels in the playoffs and have Mike Trout in there. But we'll have to see how the season plays out. It's a long season. The regular season will go until early October. So we got a long way to go before we know the playoff teams for sure. But the other big thing that happened in baseball, and we hinted at this during uh, my favorite segment last week, is that uh, uh, last week, late last week, um, Major League Baseball announced some rule changes for the 2019 season and then more for the 2020 season. And because of all the uh, NCAA tournament stuff we talked about last week, we didn't get to going over those. So I want to uh, go over those right now. So the first big rule change was for 2019. Um, no more August trades will be allowed. So in the past, the uh, regular trade deadline has always been July 31st, where any player can be traded to any team regardless of of anything, just uh, traded just like that. And then from the end of July to the end of August, there was what was called the waiver trade period where um, players could only be traded. I'm not going to get into all the details because there's a lot of details, but basically there were more restrictions on who could be traded where, but trades could still happen. Now for 2019, so for this season, uh, the MLB has eliminated that August um, trade period. So there can be no trades in August anymore. Some notable August trades, or at least one notable August trade, was two years ago when uh, the Tigers traded Justin Verlander to Houston. That was an August trade. I think maybe Milwaukee acquired CC Sabathia in August a couple, uh, boy, that would have been like six or eight years ago now. So there have been definitely some notable August trades that have made a difference on uh, rosters. So those will no longer be allowed. All trades must be completed 
by July 31st. It'll be interesting to see how that affects what goes on at the trade deadline this year to hopefully get those, uh, get those trades off. Um, that was the only major rule change for 2019. There was some stuff with all-star voting in the home run derby that I won't get into right now, but I do suggest if you're interested in those two events that you uh, look up those rule changes so you aren't confused when that uh, rolls around here this summer. The other major rule changes um, that uh, were for 2020 is that um, currently the roster size on your active roster is 25 players. Starting in 2020, that number will become 26 players. So they are increasing the active roster limit by one. And then if you remember last week from our Stupid Rules segment, um, I said that uh, in September, right, you could call up up to 40 players and have them on your active roster in September. Starting in 2020, uh, baseball will limit that number to 28 players. So significantly smaller rosters in um, in uh, September. So one more player during uh, the regular season or during most of the regular season, and then in September you'll have many less players on the active roster than could be. Also with that, there's a maximum number of pitchers that you could have on the roster. That number hasn't be been decided. It will be decided in a uh, by a joint league and player committee at a later date to figure out what those numbers are. And the biggest rule change, at least in my opinion, is that now when a, when a pitcher enters the game for a team, they must either face at least three batters or finish an inning before they can be replaced, barring injury. If there's an injury, they could be replaced, right? They could be replaced because they're hurt. You're not going to make them pitch. But um, yeah, otherwise they must face three batters or finish an inning before they can be replaced. So there's no more sending in a lefty to get out a tough left-handed batter and then replacing him again. Pitching changes like that will no longer be allowed. Batters must face, or pitchers must face at least three batters or finish an inning before um, they can be taken out. I don't like this rule at all. Why aren't you a fan of this rule, Kyle? It, my biggest concern is that it's really going to impact the management of playoff games. When there's certain playoff scenarios, when you are trying to make a push in order to win a game, like you're down by a run with the ninth coming up, but in the top of the ninth, you're going through the heart of the order, which is mixed with a right-handed batter, a left-handed batter, and a right-handed batter, you can't just – sometimes you have to rely on having those situational pitchers coming in to face those batters, and that's how it's been through Major League history, and that's what has happened. I think, I think this is something that I don't really like to see for the game, and overall I am very hesitant and wary about this rule change. Yeah, I'm also not a big fan of this rule change. I uh, I understand that baseball has a pace of play problem and that they want to fix that, but I don't think this accomplishes fixing that at all. I like changes that would um, speed up the game but don't change the strategy or the essence of the game of baseball. Something like a pitch clock, which I've come around to a little bit recently. I'm still not completely a fan of it, but I wouldn't be opposed to them. Uh, instituting it, where it doesn't really change the strategy of... A pitch clock doesn't really change the strategy of the game of baseball. With this, granted, I saw a statistic where it's only about 5% of instances where a pitcher historically has faced less than three batters. So it's not going to affect it a ton, but it still affects the strategy of the game of baseball, and, that, and I don't like that. 
I feel like it's not, it doesn't save enough game time, doesn't do enough to improve pace of play where um, it's worth even slightly changing the strategy of the game of baseball like it's just done. I was not not a huge fan of this rule change. I don't know. why. What did you think of it? Um, I, I agree with Kyle where it doesn't really – I don't think it really solves anything. The scenarios where this comes up isn't large enough to, to really affect uh, the timing of the, the game of baseball. So I agree the, with both. The thing that you're going to see more of now is players either A, faking injuries – or saying, yeah, I just have shoulder discomfort. I can't, I can't pitch to another batter. They're going to come in in their situational uh, pitching scenario, and they're going to get either one or two batters out and say, oh, I have arm tightness or my shoulder's feeling a little wrong. I, my knee's discomfortable or is, is in discomfort. You're going to see a lot of that. My knee is in discomfort. Yes. The knee- that, that's what they're going to say to the umpire? My knee, my I have discomfort in my knee is what they're going to say. And this is just going to, I think this is, might even slow games down even more. Does So does an injury to a pitcher count as a mound visit? No. So then that's going to happen all the time. I guarantee you in 2020 that you will see a lot of injuries that will neither show up on an injury report or they will not be added to any disabled list or injury list, I guess is what it's now called, perf- the preferred name. And this this will be a continued thing that you will see until any modifications to that rule are added. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with pitchers getting injured, right? Because currently there's no stipulations, like if a pitcher comes out of a game because of injury, in that case that they'd have to go on the, uh, I'm just going to keep calling it the disabled list, the DL I will that's too. That's that's how it's supposed. That's what I think it should be. But um, yeah, I'm just gonna do it because of force of habit. Yeah, there's no stipulation that they'd have to go on the DL in that case. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how, if and how this rule gets abused when 2020 comes around. So not something that's gonna affect the game this year, but something to keep an eye on. I'm sure we'll talk more about it next off season when uh, it's the year before it's going to be implemented. But and, and one thing I just I just wanted to mention about the pitch clock is, yes, it's not something that changes the strategy of the game, but if you're a pitcher who has come up through the minor league system, you have been working off of a pitch clock for the past several seasons. That It's not something that's, that's changed the game. A lot of those pitchers already have that uh, pitch clock ingrained in their mentality of how they approach the game and how they pitch. So all the pitchers that you have seen come up from the minor leagues recently have had to deal with that. And any pitchers who have gone on any rehab assignment, they will have had to have dealt with it as well. So that's not something that I think will be a big change to the game of baseball. But this rule, I believe, is going to be a huge change to the game of baseball. And I am I am on air and on record saying that I, I, I'm absolutely opposed to this rule. I don't like it. I don't think it's going to be good for the game of baseball. I don't think it'll be good for strategy. And I think this rule is absolutely stupid. And I hope that it gets banned after they see one season of it being absolutely garbage. Yeah, I agree. Bad rule. Anyway, since this is like a baseball preview episode too, and I hinted at it earlier, I suppose we should actually like think about previewing the season and talking about who our uh, Playoff teams are, we think, in both the American League and the National League, and then uh, who we uh, who we think will win the World Series. Since I see both uh, Kyle and Wyatt frantically typing at their keyboards, trying to figure out what they're going to pick, 
I will. Uh, you I didn't will let strive. us know ahead of time, so now it's, I have to look at some it's power on rankings. On the outline, does anybody? It, it is literally on the outline that says we're going to talk about this. I figured we were just talking about the new rules. It's on the outline, Kyle. You should read the outline okay. before we start. You know I'm terrible at reading stuff, especially emails. So give me a give me a warning next time. Okay. All right. I'll start, Kyle. You've been warned. I'll start. Thank so you. from the American League, I think your three division winners are going to be the New York Yankees from the AL East, the Cleveland Indians from the AL Central, despite the fact that uh, their lineup has gotten significantly worse and is uh, pretty injured here to start the year. And their bullpen isn't as strong as they used to be. Mm -hmm. And then I've got the Houston Astros out of the AL West. For the AL Wild Cards, I have the Boston Red Sox and Tampa Bay Rays as my two AL Wild Cards. People forget that the Rays won 90 games last year. Or close to and, it. And Blake Snell yeah. was their Cy Young, was a Cy Young pitcher last year? Yeah. So he was, he was incredible. Yeah. People forget because how of the Yankees and Red Sox both both winning 100 games in that division, people forgot how good of a season the Rays actually had. They're my sneaky pick for the uh, AL, second AL wild card. Kyler Wyatt, you ready to go for your American League? I'll go for my American League. So I'm actually going to roll with the Boston Red Sox, I think that the Yankees starting pitching rotation is going to be injury prone this entire year, which is going to put them in a wild card race, but they will be the front runner for the wild card by at least 10 games. Like it won't even be close. Uh, I have the Houston Astros winning uh, their division as well. And I have the Cleveland Indians being able to win the garbage American league central. It's bad. It's terrible. Uh, a sneaky pick, so Mike will be excited for this. So I already mentioned who will be one of my American League wildcard teams, the Yankees. But my second American League wildcard team, I believe that the Minnesota Twins are going to make a trade midseason or acquire some players to actually make a good postseason push this year. I think that they have starting pitching to do it. I think they have a bullpen that is able to do it. And I think with their position players that they will end up being better than the Rays. I think that the Rays' entire starting pitching staff isn't good enough to make a great uh, wild card push. You think the Twins' bullpen is good? You probably haven't heard of almost anybody that's in the Twins' bullpen this year. They were much better than anybody else in the American League Central last year. Eh, yeah, but last year they had Fernando Rodney as their closer. This year, Blake Parker is going to be their closer. Have you heard of Blake Parker? I have not, but do you remember? Right. Who, who was it that you had two years ago who you traded Brandon to the Nationals? Kinsler. Yeah, and he was good. He came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. But Blake Parker was the Angels' closer for part of the year last year okay. also. So, so he does have closing experience. I just, but... I just think that's the next best team. I think the Angels cannot do it. I don't think the Oakland Athletics are built well enough. And just looking at the rest of the American League, the Twins are the next best pick. All right, Wyatt, what do you got? So I actually, well, Kyle and I have very very similar predictions, which is kind of interesting. So I also have the Red Sox coming out from the AL East and the Indians from the AL Central. However, from the AL West, I have the A's winning there, and then the two wild cards are the Astros and the Twins. Okay. What I, so the same teams, I think we just switched. Well, no, you left, uh, you left the, out the, the Yankees. Reds. No, he left out, yeah, you left out the Yankees. Oh, yeah, you Which right. could be you're a 100-win right. team this season. I don't know about that. Chief. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, that's We'll see if the pitching staff is healthy. I think uh, I think they're going to make it, but we'll see. Severino is already out for a little while, so we'll have to see how that goes. All right, moving over to the National League. This is where it gets a little more interesting. 
Um, ooh, yeah, I have to think. All right, here's what I'm going to say for the National League. From the National League West, I'll go with the Dodgers. From the NL Central, I'm going to go with the St. Louis Cardinals uh, to win the National League Central. I think uh, Paul Goldschmidt will uh, help bring the Cardinals over the top to win the NL Central this year. And then I will go with the Philadelphia Phillies in the NL East. I think uh, they're a young team who's really starting to go for it this year, so that would be good for them. And then my two wildcard teams, I'm going to go with the Chicago Cubs and Milwaukee Brewers to renew that rivalry that started to go la- uh, started to uh, come up last year as my two National League wildcards. Okay. So two, three NL Central teams. Yes, that's correct. All right, so I will give my picks for the NL. I think the Dodgers are going to win it outright. I think they're the best team in the West right now and will continue. They have six straight playoff season and seasons and two straight pennants, so they will make it, and they are my uh, potentially my pick for the World Series in the NL. Uh, I think that out of the Central, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to make a good push. I like their starting rotation a lot. Um, and then out of the East, I am also going to pick the Phillies. I hate to say it, but with Bryce Harper, they have additional firepower. They have some young players who are able to hit, and I think they will be able to pitch pretty well as well. I think for my wild card, the Chicago Cubs will make it, and the Atlanta Braves will sneak in as a wild card team. Interesting, interesting choice. There are my NL picks. So my my NL picks. In the NL West, I have uh, the Rockies actually uh, winning out there. And the Central, I this was kind of hard. I don't, the, the Cubs aren't going to win the NL Central. I don't see that happening. But I don't really see the Cardinals doing it either. So that, that pretty much leaves the Brewers as the obvious choice uh, for the NL Central. And then for the... What, you don't think the, co- the, the Reds are going to do it? No, definitely okay. not. Okay. I do not think so. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a fair clarification. <laughs> that's pretty painfully obvious. And uh, the NL East, I want to say the Nationals. Washington's going to whoop up there and win. My two wildcard picks... Can you repeat what you just said there? Yeah, they're going to whoop up there and win. Okay. Yeah, they're just going to boop their way up to the top okay. and dab on all the haters. And my two wild cards. So I, I have the Cubs being a wild card team. I don't know about the second one though. I'm kind of, kind of in between the Cardinals. And really nothing else. So I guess the Cardinals. That that's all I got. The, you were on the, the fence, but the only but team the, on the, the fence is the Cardinals. But well, I don't like them though. That's why it's, I don't want them to be. Yeah, and I don't like the. Uh, I don't like the anybody in the AL Central either. That's fair. So. That, that's all I got. That was a pretty haphazardly okay. put together prediction. But, all right. Uh, and then is World, what it is. World Series champions. Kyle. So, go. champions, or do you want. Champions. We won't go matchup, just okay. champions. Ma- matchup. Uh, Red Sox. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't want it. Well, I know I, you I don't no, want it. I have nothing it. to say. I have nothing to say. <laughs> You're not going to make a prediction? I mean, I will. I'm thinking about it, though. I'm going to go with the, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, the New York Yankees. Ooh. The pitching is too good. Uh, I I would have picked the Yankees, but I think that their starting pitching rotation is going to be injured somehow going into the playoffs. And I think yeah, but they got six starters who would be better than any of the Royals starters. You're you are you are correct. So even if one of them's hurt, they got somebody else. 
Quietly, oh, just man. Sit, make us sit here in awkward silence. Until okay, can I can something? I change can I change one of my AL wild cards? Yeah. Can I let me pull out the Cardinals and go with the Braves instead? Okay, well that makes okay, more so sense. So you're doing the NL instead of the AL. Yeah, you said, I, okay. I think an AL team's gonna win it, right? You, oh, oh, you NL. Oh, you, Jesus. Yeah. Christ. There you NL. go. Sorry. There you go. I'm I'm way out of it. Uh, so I'm changing my NL wildcard pick instead of the Cardinals. We're gonna go with the Braves, and I'm gonna have the Braves actually winning the World Series. Wow, that's bold. That, just hot take. That hot is take a, right there. That is a that's, super that's a spicy, hot take. That spicy is, hot maybe take. if they go sign Craig Kimbrell, I, I might get on board. I, but until they do that, if there's, they, there's maybe no... if they go out and sign Craig Kimball and Dallas Keuchel. Yeah. Question I, mark. I could see that. I mean, I could see. I'm that. just, I'm just going for a spicy hot take. I so think that, I can see that. I Honestly, I think they might be one or two acquisitions away from actually being competitive. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll have to see how if they ever sign, which they might not, because the season starts on Thursday. So maybe they'll sit out a year. That would be awful for them. I don't think that'd be good for them. Anyway, we're not going to talk about that. We've talked. Le'Veon Bell in the MLB. Yeah, we've talked about that. So. I've I've just been informed by Wyatt that we have to skip <laughs> the stupid rules. We're actually skipping this week. stupid rules this week. I was going to talk about basketball and how uh, when the ball is in play, that uh, a coach can't actually call the timeout, and that uh, the player on the court has to call the timeout, not the coach. That Didn't was that happen in one of the tournament games? Yeah, I was. In, I, I was, saw that. We, I brought it up during the Iowa game where um, when they rebounded the ball at the end of regulation with like a second left how um, Fran McCaffrey was calling for a timeout, but he couldn't. One of the players on the court would have to do it. And yeah, that was that. Okay. Quick stupid rules segment. That, that was quick. I'm now. into that. So now into our uh, accountability session for write that down. Yeah. I didn't like my rules segment getting skipped, so I fit it in anyway. Well, that's okay. Okay. So we had, is that six predictions come off the board this week? It looks the, like, it looks six, like predictions. six One, two, cool. three, four, five, six. Whoa, you can count all the way to six? I know. Mike apparently can. Wow. I was I was I was looking at a weird angle, so I wasn't sure. Anyway, the first prediction to come off the board was from Kyle. He predicted that there would be three 12-5 upsets in the first round of the men's NCAA tournament. Bang! Let's go, baby! And he was correct, actually. Ding 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 ding. ding. Despite if the five seeds being historically good and the twelve seeds being historically bad, three of those upsets did indeed happen. So upset central, baby! Oregon, Liberty, and uh, Murray State carried me to victory there. They did. They did. Our next prediction off the board was mine that said both the Cyclone men and women would make it to the Sweet 16. The women are still alive. The men are not. So for that, I get a... <clears throat> um, next off the board was Wyatt saying that Kansas will not make it out of the first round. Kansas did beat Northeastern in the first round. Destroyed them. Before and getting they, rolled by they, Auburn they in the have. second round. So... Wyatt gets a <laughs> Next off the board is another one from Wyatt from way, way, way back earlier this year. He predicted, probably in one of our first couple episodes, he predicted that the Cyclones yeah. would make it to the Elite Eight. They didn't make it out of the first round, so for that, Wyatt gets a <laughs> Um, I predicted a long time ago that the Timberwolves would host a playoff series. I mean, I think that's still mathematically possible, but we're just, we're just going give to the, give me the X now on that. So, and the last one to come off the board was from Josh. He predicted that KU would not make it to the Elite Eight, which since they exited in the second round, they did not make it to the Elite Eight. So for that, he gets a ding, 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 ding. All right. So that is all six of our picks that came off the board. Ooh, can I go? Can yeah, I go? Kyle, start us off. My hot take. This is a very hot take. 
uh, spicy. Texas Tech will make it to the national championship game. Doesn't matter if they win or lose, they will just make it to the national championship game. Huh. I, I don't think say... they will. It doesn't matter if I, you don't think they will. I mean, I understand that, but that, that factors into your, your that's point. The percentages say your about allotment. 8%. 8% chance. I feel like that's a like, triple home run. I, I'm thinking triple. I don't think it's home run worthy. I don't know. I like I think we should go home, home run, run in back-to-back back yeah. back weeks. I let's said that go. out loud, and I realized that was wrong. That should be a home run. Let's go. I got yeah, a home I run agree. last week. I agree. Yep. All right. My prediction, I'm going over to the women's NCAA tournament. I'm predicting that all four one seeds will make the final four in the NCAA women's tournament. Hmm. Uh, didn't, hmm. that, hasn't, that didn't happen last year because the two not. seed it was, in the, it was in the national championship, and I don't think that happened the year before. Because I also think a two seed was in the final four. Double? Because it, it's just the yeah. disparity between the one and the two line. Yeah. I although UConn is a two seed, and I feel like they're gonna be pissed off. Ooh. Oh yeah. That that's true. I didn't think about that. Uh, Neither are gonna do, say either the double leaning, or a triple. I'm leaning, leaning more towards, towards a triple though. now that Ooh, UConn's God. on the two line. Rock, paper, scissors for it? The, that that has a seven point five percent chance of happening, according to five thirty eight spots. Okay, we have to triple. give him a triple because yep. I got a home run. Yep, I, I'd agree with that. Triple. So I didn't realize this until after I made my prediction. <laughs> what Kyle's prediction was, I have that there will be no Big Twelve team in the Elite Eight. So oh, basically, so the only basically Big Texas 12 Tech team loses. Left is yep. Texas Tech. Yep. So they will lose to I think they play Michigan, yeah. right? Yes, Texas Tech will play Michigan. So um, I feel like that is a double. Double. That's yeah. fair. I'll give him give him a double for it, that. I'll take because they're they've as we're going through this. I believe Texas Tech has in fact made it to the Sweet Sixteen. Yes, mm-hmm. they did. Which, they did win, which means they have finished. a fifty fifty chance of making it to the Elite Eight. Yeah, so, that game is essentially a toss up. Toss up. Five thirty eight. So it's a double. Yep. I'm down with that. And then we have a prediction from Josh. After a week hiatus, Josh is back with us. I'm back. Uh, I was going to load up my March Madness thing, but my phone's not loading it up. So, um, trying to go on a limb. Did, did Liberty win? Liberty win today, or are they Liber- still playing? As we speak, Liberty is losing to Virginia Tech 59-54 to with 2 minutes and 22 seconds left in the game. Oh, dang it. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess then, uh, what, uh, is that going to come up at all? Nope. Um... Yeah, give me a second here. Uh, <laughs> I'll just give you live updates on the Liberty game as I get them. And and, uh, uh, I guess I'll just go with my uh, champion. Uh, Kentucky is going to win it. Win it all. Kentucky is going to win it all. According to five thirty-eight, there is a six percent chance of that happening. So, essentially the same as Texas Tech making it to the championship game. So, I guess we have to give them a home run for that, too. That's a home run. Sure. Kentucky has to go through uh, the Midwest region, which would potentially be Houston, then North Carolina or Auburn. And then they would have to play the East region, which would either be Virginia, Tennessee, Purdue. Purdue. Uh, Yeah. Home run. Somebody would have to be Duke in there. Yeah, we'll give them a home run. I think think that's all four of our write-that-down predictions. It is. And that means that we're at the end of the episode. So thank you for listening to this week's episode of the 8311Cast, episode 24 of Baseball Special. We really appreciate you tuning in and letting us bring all things sports to your beautiful ears. 
We'll catch you on the flippity flip next week. Signing off for the 11 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, who has never said flippity flip in his entire life until three seconds ago. There's, there's, a, there's a new day for everything, <laughs> right, right, Wyatt? Got to try something new every day. You do something new today, which is share the 8311 cast with a friend. That, that's, do it. That's share my call it. to action. <laughs> do it. That'd be fun. It would be fun. It, we'll, it'd be fun for we'll, all of us. We'll do it, too. We'll each share the 8311 cast with a friend, too. Yeah, hey, Mike. We'll do it together. Mike, have you heard of the 8311 cast? I have heard of the 8311 cast. Oh, good. It's really good. Yeah, I yeah, I would agree with that. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.